All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into our sermon. So, Father, thank you for this um, time. And we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us through Scripture and to, to challenge us, to provoke our hearts, to engage us, to correct us, Lord, and to um, bring encouragement and inspiration. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I think about, about church, um, I always think about how it's really, uh, a lot of people have different opinions, I guess, on church. Have you noticed that? Like, some people are really positive about church, other people are maybe a little more negative, and everybody has different experiences. And I've noticed that in my life, when I sit down and have conversations with people, um, a lot of times their previous engagement with church or connection to church can really impact their openness to what the church is today. Have you found that to be true too? Anybody? Yeah, it's like, you know, if you, like when you were a little kid, if you went to a church where they were constantly yelling at you, you might have a more negative view of church, right? Uh, and so I've just noticed that over the years. And when I think about my relationship with church or the church, I always think about how complicated it can be because I've been in church since I was a little kid. Um, and I've, I've had, you know, lots of experiences that have either been really inspiring or I've also had experiences in church where it just felt kind of, I don't know, like frustrating. So like really quickly right now, uh, you have one word to describe church and you don't get brownie points for saying loving or gracious. Like really, when you hear the word church, what are some words that come to mind? Come on. Family. Okay. It's good. Anybody else? Regeneration. All right. Complicated. Love you, man. So true. Anybody else? What is it? Caring. Okay, good. Anybody else? Awesome. I'll pay you $5 later. Anybody else have maybe a more judgy? Thank you. I'm judging you right now for sharing that. Worship? Forget everything else? This is like more than one word. We'll take it though. Community? Enlightening. All right, that's good. Forget another $5. Man, I'm like going to be broke after the end of this. Okay, like, let me tell you some of the words I would, would throw in there. So I'd add all those. But I, I think Anne's complicated true, too. Um, my, one of my, like, most common words would be the word frustrating. I think church communities can be really frustrating because people are weird and complicated. Yeah, not you, everybody else, though. Uh, but no, I mean, like, think about church, and there's all these different feelings that might come up. And so I, I always think about my relationship with church as being, being complicated because I've had really great experiences, and I've also had other experiences that have left me really frustrated or hurt or whatever it is. And I know there's many other people that have also felt that way. And, and I, but I, over my life, like, I would describe my relationship with the church kind of like this. My mom and dad basically made me go to church from, you know, the earliest of age, so I don't remember ever not being in church. And then I got to when I was about, I don't know, eight, and I started to realize that it was cutting into other things in my life, and I kind of not didn't like it. And then I got to high school, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is the most boring thing I've ever been to in, in my life. And, you know, and then, like, I started to have questions about my own relationship with God and, and faith, and started started seeing how the church community had some value. In fact, for me, 
Most of that was discovered, though, in small groups, you know, in meetings with, with smaller groups of people in my home. And, and then when I was in my early 20s, I started to see, see um, a lot of really negative stuff in the church because I'd seen a lot of hypocrisy, and I had a really bad attitude about the church, and I pretty much didn't like the church at all. In fact, I used to always say things like, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And then, um, you know, through some massive conversations with my dad and, and different people I respected, I realized that I had a really negative attitude about the church and that I needed to actually love the things that Jesus loves. And then I had this come around to where despite the frustrations about the church, despite all the challenges churches offer, I fell in love with the church. I fell in love with the church. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today um, through this text that we're looking at. And we're in this sermon series right now going through the book of Colossians. And what we're doing is we're reading a passage of Colossians and then we're we're working through it and thinking about the practical application, the implications of what we're talking about. But the reason why we're in Colossians, I think, other than the Holy Spirit seems to have led us there, is that in the time that we're in, when there's all these isms, all these different, different ideas are vying for your attention and your allegiance, Colossians reminds us that in all things, Jesus is supreme and that our ultimate allegiance should be to Jesus, not to political parties, not to different ideologies. Ultimately, we should all look to Jesus as Lord, and that is what is going to sustain the church and help us to continue to be able to to be a witness to the world. And so that's why we're in Colossians. So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 25, and then we're going to talk about the implications of it. So the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Listen to this. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship in Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. So it's a super, super good passage of Scripture. And there's a lot we could unpack here, but I, I was thinking about, about how in today's context, I do think that we, we have a lot of people who have a really low view of the church. And I want to, before we jump into talking about why I think the church matters, I, I want to just acknowledge that, that people have really good reasons to have frustrations about the church. 
Like, I don't think that we do anybody any help by just ignoring people's um, viewpoints. Like, we're not helping anybody by just pretending that people's frustrations or, or negative experiences don't matter. Are you with me? Like, for example, someone who has a really judgy experience with the church, our answer can't just be like, well, the church matters, get over it. Amen? Are you with me? Like, we have to actually listen to people and be willing to understand where they're coming from because a lot of those experiences have actually negatively impacted people, so they actually have walls or barriers against their openness to God. And so we want to we be able to listen to, to people. But I've also noticed that in today's age, there's lots of people who will say things like, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, just like I used to. Or I, I, I believe in God, and I'm a really spiritual person, and I'm really but I'm not really into the church thing. And I want to make a case this morning for why the church matters. Now, you're going to say, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to. Trust me. As a pastor, I can tell you how frustrating the church is. Amen? Like, I'm just with you. I'm like, man, church is complicated. It is complicated. And so even though it's those things, I want to tell you why I think Scripture paints and inspires a picture of what the church should be, and that's what we're constantly trying to work for. We're laboring together in order to create a space where people can come to know Jesus and be equipped to make Jesus known. Like, that's what the church should be doing. So let's talk a little bit about why church matters. And I, I think I'm kind of like maybe hinting at why I think you need to be part of a community as well as serve in a community. Not just come and, and attend, but really be a part of a church community. And the first thing is this. This is what I think Paul's doing here is he talks about how suffering together is how we are strengthened to persevere. Did you notice that in, in, in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 24, he talks about how he's suffering for the body of Christ. And I don't know about you, but it seems like when we suffer, it can be really hard, but what can get us through suffering situations is being in community. Have any of you found that to be true? Like, you go through something that's really challenging, and it's in, the, it's in community that you experience grace. And we've shared, Don and I have both shared many times how when we, um, our first pregnancy, we lost our first pregnancy, it was a community of people that we kept meeting with, and, and they were there for us, and they prayed for us, they hugged us, they listened to us, they, they, um, they were there with us. And it helped sustain us through the, the, one of the most difficult, challenging situations we'd ever experienced at that time. And I can tell you numerous other times. Right now, COVID-19, crazy, crazy challenging, right? Crazy challenging. And yet, I can tell you right now that it's because of people in this community that we've been able to say, all right, let's just keep at it. Because right now, it's not very fun. There's a lot of things in life that aren't very fun right now. But it's because of community that the, that the suffering, we can, we can suffer through this. We can, we can make it, amen, because of community. And so I think Paul is saying that. He says, I'm glad when I suffer for you, the church, because I know I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ. And we can suffer together, and we can make it together, because in community, the church, it's made possible. So that's one thing I think Paul fleshes out here. Secondly, he, he says this, we need others to remind us of the glory within us. One of the most popular verses in the Bible, I mean, I've heard this Bible verse here so many times. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, for, I, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. So, previous Old Testament, 
God is primarily working with an ethnic group of people known as Israel. Thank you for one person who knows what we're talking about. You guys know about the Old Testament? Jewish people? God works with them? Okay. So in the past, God is primarily working through ethnic Israel. Come on, wake up. Hey, Israel. You with me? He's working the Old Testament with the Jewish people. And so all the promises in the Old Testament are given through the prophets to? Thank you. Jews will accept the Jews. Israel, the Jewish people, right? And then along comes Jesus. And then after that, this revelation is given to Paul. And he realizes that the riches, the glory that was given to the Jewish people are also for those of us who are non-Jews, also known as Gentiles. And this is it. Listen to this. This is amazing. Paul says, he says, and this is the secret. Christ, the Messiah, lives in you. And that is the hope of glory. And so I don't know about you, but I find that deeply inspiring. And I also find that it's in the midst of really rough, challenging days, we need somebody to come alongside us and to remind us of that sometimes. Amen? We need someone to say, listen, there's something greater inside of you than what you realize. Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. And so that's another thing that the church does. I think the church inspires, it's, it, it inspires each other. And so we need that, that reminder. The third thing that I think happens in, in church is that it's only in community that we learn what love actually is. So Doug, Doug and I were talking this week, and and we were just talking about how when I was, when I was a kid, um, I spent a lot of time with a bunch of friends that were gangbangers. That's the best way to put it. They were, so I was living in Denver, and I, had, I was going to this school. So I was going to this Christian school that was across town, and it was a pretty rough neighborhood, and there were all these Crips and Bloods. Have you ever heard of those gangs? Because now it's all these different gangs. Okay, so Crips and Bloods. And I had all these friends that were, were, were Crips. And um, one of them, I, he was my best friend at the time. His name was Amari. And we played basketball together, and we were really close. And he, he lived in a just really rough neighborhood. He didn't have a father figure. And so he made the decision to join a gang. But oftentimes, those decisions are made for you in that type of world. And I remember him explaining to me he got beat up to be a part of this, this family. And I was like, I remember as a kid, I was like, so wait a minute. You got beat up to be a part of a family? Does that sound like family to you? No, but he, he did it, and he joined this gang, and then, you know, sadly, a few years later, gets shot in this drive-by shooting, and it was, like, devastating for me. And I've always thought about that um, when I think about family, because the way that we perceive family depends on our previous experiences, though, right? Like, there's a lot of people who, when they hear people in the church talk about the church's family, they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. My family sucked, right? And so I think that's why we have to define our terms, but in the church, the community of God's kingdom, if we really are embodying all the things that Scripture teaches us, this is the place where you should learn what love actually is. Amen? This is where you should learn about unconditional love. This is where you should learn about how love is forgiving. And, and, and that's what we want to be, amen? We want to be a community that inspires people because what I'm, and I think Doug and I have been talking a lot about is when people come into our church community from backgrounds that may have been either in gang life or they may have been in, in challenging situations or maybe they didn't have family, what's the first thing they want, we want them to experience when they walk through that door? 
Lots of love, right? Like we want them to walk into a family reunion. How many of you have been to a good family reunion? Not the weird one where Lester, Uncle Lester's there. I'm talking about like good family. Like you walk in and everybody's glad to see you and your cousins are all grown up and, you know, and you're like high-fiving. Like the last time I went to one was, was quite a long time ago. But when I was a kid, we would go and visit my grandparents in Wisconsin. And my grandparents lived on a farm, a dairy farm. And so one day I, I happened to be out in the fields and I had this BB gun and I was trying to shoot things. And uh, I, I stumbled upon this place where, my unbeknownst to me, my grandpa took all the dead cows and calves and put it down this thick thing. So I found all these bones, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's bones. And my grandpa convinced me that there was a bone man. And, and so I was like, what's that? And he's like, well, at nighttime, sometime, sometimes those cows actually come back to life, and they look for little boys. And I'm like, what? You know? And I, I was like six or seven years old. So all my cousins are like freaking out. This is how mean my grandpa was, though. One time I went back out there, and he had Previous to us going out there, he had gone out there and got a bunch of the bones and built a skeleton of a like monster. So we were like, "Oh my gosh, it's here!" You know, and and so I remember at this. Oh, my grandpa's so mean, but I remember at this at this family reunion, we were all talking about it because we all thought it was just us. But we found out like, all the cousins that had that happen. We we're all, you know, about the bone man. You know about the bone man. High fiving each other, and then we went and talked to my grandpa. Like, what's up with that? And he just laughed at us. But those are amazing family gatherings, aren't they? Like, I just love those. And isn't that what we want people to feel when they come to church? We want them to feel like they're a part of a family. So that's, I think, another thing that the Apostle Paul is, is fleshing out here, is that a healthy church has the capacity of teaching people what love looks like, what family is, and how it should be experienced. And then, number four, uh, I think that Paul fleshes out this a little bit towards the end when he talks about false teachings. But discernment of truth, I think, happens best in community. So that's kind of the whole point of this sermon series right now, is what I'm, I'm, I guess, not so subtly telling you is that there are a lot of things vying for your attention right now, and it only is going to get worse until November 3rd, right? And it's like, you know, all these answers to all the life's challenges and riddles, and, and I'm not saying that those, those are not important topics. I hope you don't, you hear me right, but what I am saying is that Many of those things can be distractions from our faith in Christ if we think that those candidates or those solutions are going to give us eternal hope, because they're not. There's only one who can give us eternal hope, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And so there's all these isms, all these isms that are, that are constantly vying for our attention, and all I'm saying is that we need to recognize the difference between, between ideologies today in this world in eternal ideologies that come from heaven, and they're not the same thing. And so we have to discern those things, I think, and we do it in community as we're engaging Scripture and wrestling with what the Bible teaches. Number five, and this is the, what I started out with, is that I think we see Paul basically saying that Jesus didn't die for something that doesn't matter, and being a part of community is how you will grow. And that's what happened for me, and I, I've shared this story with some of you before, but you know, when I was like 20, uh, I think we got married when we were 23, 22, 22. And uh, I, we, were, we were just on the verge of getting married. We, were getting, we got married in October, and in September, my dad invited me um, to go on a fishing trip with him. And up until that point, my dad and I had this kind of complicated relationship, which is a really long story, but we were like, he was trying, and I was like, finally like, okay, you know, and so we, I was like, I'm going to go on this church trip with all your church people to go fishing. And I went, and um, I remember I was sitting 
the first evening, we were in Canada, and I, I sat down, and I was sitting at the table, and there was a bunch of church guys, and I was just telling them what I thought about the church, and I was being, I was being me. I was being really brutally honest about how the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. They're all judgmental. They, uh, there are no you know, church leaders that are not looking for power, and they're all manipulative, and I just had this huge list of all these things. And I, and I remember my dad just was sitting there, and he and I, I think at the time, you know how when you're trying to make a statement to somebody, but you talk to somebody else to do it? I know you guys don't do that because you're all really mature, <laughs> except for when you post on Facebook, but I digress. Point being is that I was doing that. I was just, I was just letting it all out. And, um, and all these guys were like, yeah, and they all, you know, I mean, I was just stoking the fire. I was talking about how, you know, how much I'd been hurt. And, and I had a long list. Like, I had had multiple... Um, pastors in my life have moral failures. You know, they'd, they'd get up on Sunday morning and preach about all this stuff, and then they would have these moral failures that were, like, massive. And I just was like, man, they're just, they're all hypocrites. And it was going on and on and on and on and on. And, um, and I, I remember everybody, like, got up, and it was late, you know, and they all went to bed, and my dad and I were just kind of sitting there, and, and my dad just said to me, he's like, you know, you have got a lot of unforgiveness in your heart. And instantly, because I was still working out my things with dad, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Like, you know what I mean when you get really defensive? Like, what are you, who are you? I'm calm. And I just was like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And he said, it's just, it's just there's a lot of anger there. And, and I was like, no, no, I'm just being honest. You know, you can't, exp- you know, you just can't listen to my brutal honesty. And then he said something, though. He said, you know, I think you really need to think about how if Jesus died for the church, and if Jesus loves the church, don't you think it's important to love the things that Jesus loves? And I, I remember I was like, no, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And we said goodnight, and I walked into my room, and I laid down, and the only way I can describe it is that it was like, it was like God's presence just came into that room, and all of a sudden I had this um, overwhelming sense of God's love for you and for the church, and for his community, and I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, it was like, all of a sudden, I was awakened to how, how Jesus feels about his community, and I was, you know, like, oh my gosh, what is going on here, and, and it was a, it was a really, it was a turning point for me, because in that moment, I realized just how important church actually is, and there are so many things about church that what I think God is doing right now with COVID-19 is he's stripping some things down, like if you think that you have to have church in a building, Jesus might be wanting to strip that away because did you know for thousands of years Christians met in parks? (gasps) Did you know there wasn't electricity? Amen? I know I'm stepping on some of your toes. Pardon me, but it's true. Like I've had God, like for me, it was like, wait, we can't have coffee? There ain't no church without coffee? Right? But I, I think what God's doing is I think he's stripping some of these things away and he's helping us discover what actually matters. And I'll tell you what matters. Can I tell you what I think matters? Let me tell you what I think matters. I think people matter. That's what I think. I think we're discovering from Jesus himself that people matter and that I don't know about you, but there's times where I just want to be with my friends. I just want to be with my family. I just want to be together and I want to worship together and I want to encourage one another. I want to pray for one another. And I think that's what God might be doing right now. He might be actually doing that. Amen? Let's stand up together.
loving the things that Jesus loves, could there not be a better challenge for us today? Might that be the challenge we need right now? And so let's close our eyes for just a few minutes here if you're comfortable with that. And we do just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be in here right now. In the same way that your presence was made known to me you know, many years ago in that cabin in Canada where I just had a sense of your love for the church, for myself, but for the church and how when we have all these negative feelings about, about the church, and I'm, I'm using that word church to describe all of God's people, every local church, the 42 that exist in Tehama County, Lord, when we have a vision for how you feel for the church, we may begin to be able to love the church like you do. And so may that happen right now. Would you, Holy Spirit, come right now? Despite the frustrations, despite the, the challenges, despite the misgivings, despite all of the things that really can remind us about how human beings are not you. Would you help us to get past those? Would you help us to to forgive? Would you help us to, even some of those things, to work through them, Lord? It doesn't mean that we should just ignore those things, God. Help us, though, to have a vision for the community of God's kingdom in the way that you envision things. Would you help us to, to see that it's not that coffee's bad, amen? It's not that air conditioning is bad, Amen? It's not that heat's bad. It's not that having this building is a bad thing. Lord, we're so thankful for those things. But I I pray that you would help us to recognize what is central, what is essential, what is primary, what is supreme over all things. Lord, that you would help us to recognize that there are some things that that are cool to have, but at the end of the day, as long as we have Jesus and each other, we're good to go. And so I pray, Lord, for everybody in this room that you would help us to align our vision, our understanding, our commitments, our values more upon the things that you are committed to, more committed to those values, more centered on the things of the kingdom so that we can continue to know you and we can help other people know you as well. I pray all over this room that you would give us a sense of your love, a sense of your grace, a sense of your mercy, and a sense of your wisdom right now. We thank you, Lord, as we just read in Colossians, that for those of us who need wisdom and knowledge, that all wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus. And so would you give us more Jesus? We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Folks, have a great week. We'll see you this Wednesday, or we'll see you next Sunday.